three, two, one. Episode 21. This is an interesting episode because today I'm going to be interviewed by Karsten. Welcome to the show, Karsten. Hey, Dom. Nice to meet you finally. We've been talking on Facebook for a little while now. So, whenever you're ready. Great. So, Dom, let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> I know that's a kind of a new concept for your podcast, right? Yeah, it is a little bit. Well, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I just want to know a little bit more about you and your life story and find out what are the really, really, really interesting bits about your life. Okay, well, I'm an open book, so ask away. Uh, open book? To a certain extent. Well, I'll put that to the test. <laughs> okay, so how about, how about we start at the very beginning? Okay. Which you told me was in 1971. Yes. Was there anything remarkable happening in 1971? Do you have one of those newspapers, you know, from your day of birth? Uh, no, I don't. I've, I've looked it up, but I can never remember what happened on the day of my birth. Um, for me, about the only thing remarkable happened, like a... Uh, Two years later is when I started ice skating. So <laughs> you started ice skating at age two. That's what my dad tells me. Your dad sold metal products. You told me. Yes. Is that any way related? Like, did you have to test them? Like, did you put it on your shoes <laughs> no, and then send you uh, out, like, see if you crash into the lake? No, or? no. What? It, my dad grew up in a, a town uh, in the United States called Warroad, Minnesota, and it's known as Hockey Town, USA, because we have a lot. They have a lot of hockey. I say we. I'm originally from Roseau, but he's from Warroad. They have a lot of hockey players that came out of Warroad, so they call it Hockey Town, USA. How he got into selling metal products, I have no idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hockey Town, USA. Well, Hockey Town, USA. That's what they. That's there's a big sign as you enter Warroad, Minnesota. It says Hockey Town, U. Welcome to Hockey Town, USA. Is that, is that a good thing? Because it kind of sounds to me like American maple syrup or baguettes made in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> well, Northern Minnesota is known for well, Minnesota in general is known for its hockey players. Like if you were to look at the U.S. Uh, World Cup hockey team, they have a lot of hockey players that are from Minnesota in general. Okay, okay. Do they ever play against Canada? Oh, all the time. All the time. I've played against Canada, so, yeah. Was that very traumatizing, or...? No, I don't think so. It's just hockey players being hockey players. <laughs> okay. So you told me you were, like, your first few years, like, at age two you picked up um, ice skating. Yes. At age five you picked up Kiss. Yes, the band Kiss, yes. So how did that come about? Oh, that, uh, as I talked about in my episode on KISS, which I believe is domdumas.com forward slash 18, uh, my babysitter's son was a big fan of KISS, and I remember him coming home with the album cover and going, you've got to listen to this, and he put it on the record, and it was just something I'd never heard at that point in time, so it just blew me away. Like vinyl record? Yeah, vinyl record, absolutely. Okay, uh, wow. So you... I mean, I got a little vinyl thing at the flea market when I was maybe five. Mm -hmm. I didn't believe it was a real one because it was only 10 <laughs> cents. So I promptly tried to break it just to prove that it's real. Okay. Yeah. I, growing up for me, it was like records, vinyl records, tapes. This, this was like CDs didn't come around until like 89. So 
I remember that was the first time I ever saw a CD player. So, so you're like an '80s kid. I am definitely an '80s kid through and through. I would have never guessed by the karate figures <laughs> that adore your television. Uh, well, you know, I, I, there's things that I love, and karate happens to be one of them. Right. So you you do train karate, right? Yes, I do. Are there any people who were not, you know, in their teens in the '80s who still train karate? Uh, that that would still. What do you mean, like? As in, as in, to me, karate has always been this '80s thing. You know, there was Karate Kid. Oh uh, yeah, one, okay. Two, and we don't talk about it. And uh, uh, <laughs> well, well, I talk about it all the time, so I don't know about you, but um, yeah, actually, there would. One of the problems with karate is they had a few instructors that kind of built this mystique around karate which was a huge mistake because they've all been proven to be a bunch of idiots. Now, there are a lot of good karate instructors that were training at that time that didn't have this big mystique, like, oh, I can knock somebody out with just the, the touch of a finger. Karate's not like that at all. Uh, it, karate was designed as a civil self-defense, and it, that's what it's still used. Well it's not still used for that because people still compete in tournaments but there, there's nothing really mystical about it do you define civil defense to me because you know when nowadays people talk about self-defense they talk about Krav Maga Krav Maga yes which is like Israeli defense force tr showing people how to kick someone in the balls I mean like <laughs> okay. tell me how karate is better well okay first off let me say that one form is not any better than a different form it all depends on the person I'm a firm believer in that I've seen guys who studied Kepawea beat guys who studied Muay Thai I've seen guys who studied Muay Thai beat guys who studied Krav Maga so there, there isn't anything and, and guys in mixed martial arts you know, if, when it comes to a fight for me there's no rules in an actual fight so it, you know what if, I'm getting, if I can get a hold of you I'm going to do everything I can to hurt you so if you're going to get close enough, that, that's what's going to happen. Now I can also throw kicks and punches. So civil defense is Okinawa in the old days was not a very friendly place. It's much friendlier now. Okinawa, Japan. Okinawa, Japan. That's yes. where karate comes from. It was not a very safe place. You, it wasn't some place you could just walk, go strolling around with like a cow to care in the world. So they needed some way of protecting themselves. Now... A lot of the old stories of karate is, oh, the old farmers in the fields, they all created the karate. No, 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 no. You, most of karate comes from actually well-to-do families, and they're the ones who help promote it. But to help prevent from being mugged, they needed ways of defending themselves And at a time where they weren't allowed to carry a lot of weapons. So they developed ways through other cultures, like a lot of stuff comes from Chinese fighting, Tay boxing, and stuff like that. They, they developed their own system out of that. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, so in a few hundred years ago, these Okinawan farmers had to defend themselves against bandits, and now it's, I guess, Japanese women having to defend themselves against Americans stationed there? Or <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm sure that unfortunately does happen from time to time. But Do they know karate? or Some of them do, yeah. Or uh, the manga nowadays? <laughs> actually, in Japan, as far as I know, it is still karate is taught in the school system. By, by choice. Um, I do study Japanese, and she said she had a choice when she got into like high school. She could either do dance, or she could do karate or judo. She chose dance. Uh, her sister chose judo. Wow. So, 
in the eighties when you were getting into, you know, uh, martial arts, into music, a few years later you started picking up books, right? Yes. And, uh, and not not just like you know placing them somewhere else, but actually reading them. Yeah, I, well, I, I guess. I was reading when I was in like sixth grade, which would have been early eighties, and that was like um, not nothing any that was any just like a random book here and there. But I started getting to like fantasy fiction in like the late eighties. So in fantasy, there's always the hero's journey, right? How he's to a certain extent, the, yeah. How he's defeating the bad guys. Mm -hmm. and so in your head, were you fighting the bad guys with karate or? <laughs> Well, let's see. In my head, I, anybody who made me feel uncomfortable was a bad guy. So, but I also was taught that you don't throw the first punch; you always defend yourself. Um, and unfortunately, at that point in my life, I became very good at antagonizing people into throwing the first punch. So, but that had that was before I started getting into martial arts seriously. It was like I was picking it up. Like I could watch a TV show and mimic what they were doing on the TV show or see in a movie like The Karate Kid and mimic what they were doing. But I didn't actually have any formal training until I was in the 90s. What do you mean by you were you like to antagonize people? Um, I would usually get in their face, call them names, pretend like I... Not pretend, but I would get quite angry. I wouldn't push them, but I would kind of do things to get them to... Just whatever, to get them to try and throw the first punch. And then I would, uh, if they had in, if they had upset me enough, and then I would. Were you one of those what you're staring at guys? No, no. Well, sometimes. Okay. Sometimes. So how do, uh, tell, tell me, how do you get into? I mean, so obviously you were trying to get into fights. Sometimes. How do you? Always. How do you? Where do you go? How do you do that? Oh, uh, usually if it was like in school, it was with like the preppy kids. Um, preppy kids. Yeah, the ones who were like the rich kids. Um, I was. I'm not a rich kid. I was never a rich kid. I was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was a jock. I was an athlete um, because most jocks at the time didn't listen to like heavy metal and stuff like that. Um, most of my friends were stoners. Um, I was really big into computers back then, and a lot of jocks weren't. So, but you know, I, I would usually pick fights with like preppy kids or the rich kids just by um, they would say something that would upset me, and I would try to elevate the situation to where they would throw a punch. So you like hold at their sweater or uh, um, you know put your finger on the button down shirt? Yeah, things like that. I, uh, and I, I, I would uh, call them names. You know, I wasn't a very nice guy. I was kind of uh, I won't say I was a, a thug or anything like that, but uh, I, I was good at making people angry. I mean, that's, you know, in a way that's high school, you know, yeah. people get into fights. Did you ever get into fights outside of school? Oh, yeah. What kind, Actually. like, where it's more serious, because obviously there's no teacher, there's no oversight, so... Yeah, uh, there was a time that uh, this kid uh, was actually at school, but it was in the back. My, my dad was off playing softball, they were practicing for a game, and my sister and I were at the park, and this guy was giving my sister a bad time, and I was uh, I didn't like what he was saying to her, and him and I got into a bit of a scuffle, and he ended up stabbing me. He stabbed you? Yes. With? A knife. Like one of those Swiss pocket knives that... Uh, I, d I, didn't, I didn't actually see the knife. Uh, I saw he was holding it behind his back, and I put my hand out saying, what do you got behind you? After, this is not at the beginning, but later on, after I, you know, I... I convince him to stop 
picking on my sister, and he was standing there with his hand behind his back, and I just got, I asked him what he had behind his back, because I didn't want him to use, whatever it was, I didn't want him to use it on my sister. And I got tired of it, and I walked up to him, and I said, what do you got behind your back? P- kind of pointing my hand out, and he said, this one, thunk, and stabbed me in the side. He stabbed you in the... The side, right here. Ow. Yeah. Uh, it didn't hurt at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, did, I did end up beating him up, so. How long did it take for it to hurt? Um, once the adrenaline wore off. How long does that take? Like, if you get it, stabbed, it varies from situation to situation. Um, wait, I, how many times did you get stabbed? I've only been stabbed once. Okay. Uh, so in this situation, in this situation, was probably about ten minutes. So I, I I I chased him down and 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 roughed him up a little bit, and then he went away, and I went to go tell my dad what happened, and about that point in time the adrenaline started wearing off and I had my hand on my my side because I knew I'd been stabbed and I'd already seen the blood and I had said I went up to my dad and I said uh, I have a problem I have to go to the hospital he's like why and I said like this and I showed him the palm of my hand which was covered in blood and he freaked out a little bit and went and go talk to the kid's mom and then we went to the hospital and how old were you then oh uh, I was in pff, let me think I was in fifth grade so I would have fifth grade yeah wow yeah <laughs> okay, well, that, that sounds like a rough neighborhood. So um, was there any permanent area? Was there any permanent damage? No, I got three stitches. I got have. A, I still have a little bit of a scar there. Okay, but so. not lung or. Anything. No, the doctor said he hit a bone. So, okay. Yeah, he hit a, hit, a, hit a rib bone. Oh, lucky. So, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so at that point, you said, "Okay, I had enough. I will never ever get into a fight." Oh no, 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 no! I, I got into. I won't say I got into a lot of fights, but. It, I was never one to shy away from a fight. Okay, so you were a bit of a street fighter? Yeah, you could say that. What was the most intense confrontation you had? Oh, the most intense confrontation. Oh. I guess it was like, it'd have to be a time where there was like a group of friends fighting another group of guys and, you know, you're trying to watch your back at the same time, you're trying to watch your friends back, trying not to let the guy you're fighting get behind you. It gets kind of intense and a little bit crazy at times. So, but, uh, but did that involve weapons? That uh, usually it didn't. Back then, it didn't. Every once in a while, you might have a club or something like that. You would see, but so was that a a gentleman's agreement, or is it just like let's not go to jail for this? Or uh, what's <laughs> to it, like, be honest, it was like none of that actually came into play when we thought it was like no weapons because we don't want to go to jail. Uh, no, it was. Uh, I don't know, it's just kind of like, you know, generally, I mean, a lot of guys carried knives back then, but not everybody pulled them out, so. So you basically had this huge, well, fist fight, yeah. Bud Spencer style, and yeah. um, <laughs> people have knives, but they pull, don't pull them. Generally, yeah. I mean, I carried a knife, I didn't always pull it. So you, what's the criteria, at what point do you pull a knife? Uh, if somebody else pulls it. Well, by that theory, you know, obviously no one ever pulls a knife. Yeah, usually. And when you have a big fight like that, generally, back in the 80s, anyway, a lot of weapons weren't pulled. So At least not in the area that, that I was living in. Because people would assume it wouldn't end so badly? I think so. I'm, I'm guessing. I, I, to be honest, I can't tell you what was going on in my head at that point in time, why I didn't pull my knife. I never felt I was threatened enough that I had to pull it. So... Did, uh, that, did that involve alcohol? No, not then. I mean, I I did drink some in my teens and stuff like that, but it 
No, not generally. So. Okay, so that was just fights. Yeah. Okay. So, but at the same time, you had also some more constructive pursuits. Yeah, I think so. I mean, time you did your own radio show. Uh, when I was in high school, yeah, I, I, the my high school had their own radio station, and they would have a. It would be on in the morning before school, and it'd be on after school, and whenever they needed somebody to fill in, I was the one who usually filled in. Was that cool to be on the school radio? Like the I thought band? it was. Okay, did anybody else think it? <laughs> Um, a few of the people that usually it was the people who were involved in it, uh, but I did interview some guys. I had some guys from the hockey team come on, and we had uh, did a few shows like that. So that made you popular. You got to hang out with the hockey kids. No, I, I was a hockey player anyway. So oh, okay. yeah, but uh, the I don't know. Hockey players were necessarily cool. Some of them were, or popular. Some of them were. I I never worried about being popular. So so what what kind of what does this school radio? I mean, you know, where I'm from in Germany, we don't have that. We okay. have like schools where people. You know, go to school, they go home, that's where they eat, and then they have mm -hmm. a sports club somewhere else. So this whole school life in Germany is literally just the classes. Okay. So what do you talk about in these radio shows? It's like, oh, Sally has a new, I don't know. Well, company. for me personally, what I talked about is, um, like, if the prom was coming up, I'd talk about the prom. Um, usually I would bring in my own music. I'd play heavy metal and stuff like that, uh, or glam metal, which was really popular at the time. So that went over the PA system. Yeah, over the, the PA school. system in the school. You had yeah. Like killing in the name of. No, 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 no. That that's more along the lines of thrash metal. I was more into glam metal. I didn't get into thrash metal until a little <laughs> later. But uh, I don't think my school would really uh, would have liked a lot of that. So well, was, there, was there a censorship? No, not really. It was just the guy who was in charge of the speech department ran it. He just kind of went, look, no, no music that's killing or swearing or cussing or blatantly talking about sex or anything like that and it's like um okay go through my playlist all right so well that that kind of includes every like what were you no playing? no no blatantly <laughs> i said blatantly talking about okay sex, so okay so then you got a taste for the whole publicity right yes you ended up on television oh that was before before, before that was before that uh yeah when i was in my teens i was uh early teens i was in the national wrestling federation How old were you then? Uh, I got involved in that when I was 14. Wow. And I did it for like two, two and a half years, three years. So you saw the moves on television, you practiced them. We practiced them together, actually. There was an organization already set up before I got, before I was even involved. One of my best friends at the time, he was like, yeah, I found this organization. You know how we like wrestling? I'm like, yeah, there's these kids that do it in Anoka. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, let's go. Okay. So you got to fake fight. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's kind of fake fighting. I mean, so let me heard. let me give a guy a suplex and tell me it's not fake. You know, a suplex. A suplex. It's where you pick a guy up over your head and then you fall backwards. You know. So you can do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I also know how to make it look like it hurts a lot worse than it did. <laughs> what What are the tricks? How do you make it look? Uh, like well, it's like um, you when you hit the mat, you kind of you like when you're. If you fall down, like if you somebody gives you a clothesline and you go to hit the mat, you actually use your hands and you slap the mat. Sorry, guys, about the sound here, but it's like, you know, and then you kind of go, ah, oh, and you grab your back and, you, you know, you make it look like it hurt worse than it did. Okay. So, or if they hit you in the head, you know, you grab your head and you're like, ah. So you were on uh, television for that? Yes. Is that the, like, you know, is that... Which channel is that? ESPN? No, at the, or, no uh, back then it was on... Again, we're showing my age here. 
we had public broadcasting channels back when I was growing up and it was local so it was on the local cable network on their own public broadcasting channel let me get this straight public broadcasting did teenage wrestling yes I can see why you have a bit of a problem <laughs> for public broadcasting well at the time you could do I wasn't involved in the setup of this um, but a friend of mine well a guy who became my friend who was the, the owner of it and in his book he talks about it and he's like what he did was to get involved he need or to start recording he needed to do a basic video course that they held at the local cable channel cable station so he did that and then him and his friends started having it was originally going to be a show where they talked about wrestling and they were kind of pretending to be like guys like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that and it just grew from that and they started wrestling in the studio and then they were wrestling in their garage and then they built a ring and they built a bigger ring and then they built a full-size ring and then that's about the time I got involved hmm so did you have like your own name yes I was mr. destroyer Mr. Destroyer. Did you pick yes. that yourself? or did No, my best friend, uh, he chose our names. And he was Mr. Macho because he wanted to be like the lady killer. And he wanted me to kind of be like the security guy. If you had a tag team, you had a guy that was a bit tough. And then you had a guy that was kind of like trying to please all the women and stuff. And he decided I would be like the tough guy. And he would be the one who um, tried to pick up all the women. And we were the Mr. Nice Guys. So he was Mr. Macho and I was Mr. Destroyer. Oh, right. Because in the 80s, Mr. Macho was nice. Right? Yeah, I mean, you think Randy Macho Man Savage, you know, he was like, he had Miss Elizabeth, who was this really beautiful woman at the time, so. I, I just, I'm just thinking of Top Gun. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, so he's the good guy. Well, well, we weren't really, when we decided to start it, we we talked about it, and he had already chose our names, and I, I liked the name Mr. Destroyer, so I was like, yeah, sure, I'll keep that, you know. Uh, but we decided we were going to be like a tag team that would wrestle both good guys and bad guys, and we would depend. It would depend on the type of match if we were going to be good guys or if we were going to be bad guys. Who were your opponents? Uh, we you had the nemesis. Yeah, the the invaders. Where we wrestled them quite a lot, and I had a few singles matches against Invader One. So wait, they didn't get her. Individual names. They were just Invader. One, oh, that was the two. name that they chose. They they chose the guy who came in. He was going to be in, and his friend. They were Invader One, and his friend was Invader Two. I think it was, and then they ended up having more invaders. But and that was his name. His real name was Terry Block, but his wrestling name was the Invader. Well, the advantage is scales pretty nicely if you add additional people to the exactly. team. Exactly. So. Okay. So after your successful wrestling career. Semi-successful. <laughs> Semi-successful wrestling career. And you're, you went into radio, did some hockey. Not in 13, Canada. 13 years of hockey. Well, in the U.S. It's just like, what, eight in Canada? or uh... No, no. <laughs> I played for 13 years. So. Okay. So um, after that, you said, okay, I had enough of uh, unsupervised um, fun. I'm going to join the Navy. Oh, I don't know if it was that. Uh, it was more along the lines of I, I kind of screwed around a little bit in high school and I couldn't afford to go to university, so I wanted to further my education. And I had a few options. I could join the Army. And I didn't really want to be a grunt. Um, my AFQT scores weren't high enough to join the Air Force. As far as, well, I, I guess. What's AFQT? Uh, it's like the ASVAB. It's like the Advanced... Uh, I can't even remember what it is. It's like... Uh, they test your your general knowledge and abilities 
in a written test form. Uh, so which like is like how many fights did Hulk Hogan have? Or no, or not like that. But uh, you know, just like your like my questions had a lot to do with science and things like that. And I was quite okay at science. Um, I did. I had chemistry and physics and biology when I was in high school and stuff, um, and and general mechanics and things like that. Um, and I think there was like general reading and, and general mathematics and things. Um, and I did okay on that, but the Air Force, like I said, the Air Force never actually contacted me. It was the Army and the Navy, and I talked to my uncle at the time, and he said, whatever you do, he was in the Marines, he said, whatever you do, don't join the Marines. It's like, okay. So the Navy offered a better education program, so I joined the Navy. What's the education program like? Uh, it was actually... All the all the courses that I could that I did I could transfer to college credits after I'd finished so uh, and I went into the advanced electronics field or the the submarine advanced electronics field so okay how long were you in the navy for I was in the navy for about three years I got kicked out oh <laughs> I was a bad guy oh how did that come about um I I don't deal well with a lot of bullshit so and. There were a lot of things that I, were going on that I, I didn't agree with, and I also took advantage of situations I shouldn't have took advantage of and got caught and things like that. So, Is that something you'd like to expand on? Sure. Uh, it started off, I was protecting a friend of mine. He, he was having his barracks room inspected. Uh, and at the time, one, he was under, under 21, and two, there was no alcohol allowed in the barracks. So he said, dude, I've got a couple beers in my locker. I'm being inspected tomorrow. I said, that's fine. Put him in my locker. You can pick him up on Sunday. He's like, oh, thanks, man. And then Sunday, we didn't run into each other at all. Monday, whole barracks inspection. I got busted with two beers in my locker, under 21, in a barracks that you're not allowed to have beer in. That started the downfall for my career in the Navy. Hmm. You took the bullet. Yeah. I, I took the bullet for a friend of mine. He, the money that the the Navy took for me getting into trouble, he paid me back. But I, it was still on my record. So, so how did that? Was that the end there? Or oh no, I then I got in trouble for um, let's see, I had knee surgery and I took an extra day by mistake. Uh, and they got me for unauthorized leave of absence, which is in the Army they call it AWOL, in the Navy we call it UA. Um, and then just uh, a guy I thought was a friend of mine ended up lying about some money that he said I took, and they had records of they had records of me at his ATM machine at the ATM machine taking money from his account to fix his car, but they didn't want to hear that story. They just well you're a troublemaker, and I got they, they said you've caused enough trouble, so they discharged me. Hmm, that sucks. Yeah, well, I was ready to, I was kind of done with the Navy anyway, so. So yeah. where did you go from there? Uh, I moved to Pennsylvania with the, the girl I was dating, from Virginia to Pennsylvania. Where did you meet her? I met her when I was in the Navy, a friend of mine that I met in, uh, a guy, I met this guy when I was stationed in San Diego going through Mess Management Specialist School, which is kind of a fancy name for a cook. Um, he was from Pennsylvania. We ran into each other again when we were in Virginia, and he said, I'm going to visit my girlfriend this weekend, but I can't drive a stick shift. Can you drive a stick shift? I'm like, yeah. And he said, you want to go with me? We'll set you up with a girl. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can drive a stick shift? Yeah. Why did you learn that? Uh, I learned it when I was 16, when I learned how to drive a car. Oh, nice. So once you were settling in Pennsylvania, you took up a few odd jobs, right? 
Yeah, I guess you could say odd jobs. I mean, I, I worked in the restaurant industry. I worked in the warehouse industry. I built houses. I hung drywall. I sold vacuum cleaners door to door. Let's start with that one. Vacuum, vacuum dealers. Is, is, <laughs> is that in any way as sleazy as it sounds? Sleazy? Like, did you guilt innocent housewives into buying vacuum cleaners by... I didn't guilt anybody. I could I could have a two-liter bottle of soda, and I, with a two-liter bottle of soda, I could convince them to let me into their house and give them a two-hour display of a vacuum cleaner. How do you do that with a two-liter bottle of soda? Uh, I would knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and they would answer the door, and I'd say, Hi, my name's Dom. I'm from the local Kirby dealer. I was wondering if I could do a demonstration for you right now for this free bottle of soda. And usually they were like, um, okay. Oh, so that's the bribe. Yeah, pretty much. Soda. Yeah. Did you notice the difference between different types of soda? Like, did Diet Coke work better than Coke? Or? No, we just picked up bottles of Pepsi, so that's all we handed out. Just Pepsi? Just Pepsi. Uh, yeah. Are they paying you at this point? or? Uh, we, we, we were paid uh, on commission only. Okay. <laughs> so you bought the Pepsi bottles yourself? No, my boss did. Okay, well, that's kind. Yeah. So So you gave him the Pepsi bottle. How do you, like, and then you, did you do, like, the whole thing where you, like, put powder on there? Carpet, yes. And then you start hoovering. Uh, in America, we don't call it hoovering. We call it vacuuming. Okay, so you vacuum, yeah. and then you just vacuum the whole room so they get really uncomfortable. Well, first like we you, we, <laughs> we put the powder in a little... We didn't use powder. We used, like, uh, salt. Okay. Uh, because talc will clog up systems really bad. So we don't... You shouldn't use powder for demonstrations. And we would put a little bit of salt, and then we would take their vacuum cleaner and run over that spot... And then we'd go and turn, take our vacuum cleaner and turn it on and see how much stuff actually came out after theirs. Uh, and then we would also shampoo part of their carpet, just a little square, and it would, they could see the difference. Because our system, the Kirby vacuum cleaner, had a shampooing system on it, and it would just blow people's mind away. And so many people would go, um, you're going to do the rest of the room, right? <laughs> and then we would uh, vacuum a space on their bed, too. That's really disgusting sometimes. You put the vacuum cleaner on the mattress and it, this stuff that it would pull out. And people are going, um, I need to buy a new mattress. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> so you should have teamed up with the mattress guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so, so would you have bought your own vacuum cleaner? Um, actually, if I could afford it, yes. It was a really good vacuum. It's one of the best on the market. But it was expensive? Very expensive. $1,400. No, oh, sorry, $1,400. And how much of that was your commission? Uh, if I sold it for $1,400, I got $400 commission. Well, that explains why it's so expensive, right? Mm. But if I sold it for $1,000, I got, bonus, I got uh, credit for selling the vacuum cleaner, but I got no commission. What's credit? Uh, just saying, yes, he sold this vacuum. Because they had contests like every three months. And you had three months to sell as many vacuum cleaners as you could, and whoever had the most, they would send on these trips. Trips? Yeah. Some people went to Hawaii, some people went to like Las Vegas and things like that. And you go to a trip to Hawaii with people selling vacu other people selling vacuum cleaners? Yeah, pretty much. Is that a fun crowd? I have no idea. I never made it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well. Selling vacuum cleaners. Were you proud? It was a job. Were you, like, did you feel bad? No. It was a job. It was just a job. Just a job. What I'm you, a firm what, believer... What, what do you think about the other vacuum cleaning selling guys? Were they, like... Um, I was always very honest. 
okay, uh, when it came to selling vacuum cleaners. And in, in, in general, I, I was always very honest. Uh, a lot of the vacuum cleaner guys weren't very honest. Like, how do you lie? Uh, they would tell them that their vacuum cleaners would be guaranteed 100% when actually only certain parts of it would be guaranteed for certain particular reasons and things like that. Okay. Well, I guess it's kind of for Wait a second. $1,400 for a vacuum cleaner. That was in the 90s. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's one of the... It was like the second oldest manufacturing company in the world. No, for that money, you can buy a new mattress. You don't even have yeah. to clean the old one. Exactly. Wow, that's, that's amazing. But it's an amazing vacuum cleaner. Well, it better be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what made you give up that such a clean career? Uh, well, let's see. I didn't have a problem selling the vacuum cleaners. My problem was getting people's credit approved. If I couldn't get their credit approved, because it's not like they hand me $1,400 right there. We had to do it on a credit service, and they would pay like, they wouldn't, we had to do it on a credit card or through this credit service, and they would pay installments, and then we could leave the vacuum cleaner with them. But if I couldn't get their credit approved, I didn't get paid. Wait a second, you sold $1,400 vacuum cleaners to people who were not able to pay for $1,400 vacuum cleaner in one go? Oh, yeah. Credit's amazing in America. Well, you know, okay. I guess, I mean, that says something about priorities. So you didn't get the credit approved for mm -hmm. the... Vacuum cleaners. Vacuum. If I couldn't get it the credit approved, then I had to go back and get the vacuum cleaner from them, and I would not get paid. Oh, was that fun? No. Like, you walk there and you're like, hey... Hey, I'm sorry. I kind of need to take this machine back. Your credit wasn't approved. And when you pick the machine up, is that like within a week or within a... Usually it's within like a day or two, at the most. Oh, so you leave it right there when you leave? If, well, most of the time we would do a call-in service. We had a, a, a credit company that we worked with, and we would call them and we could get instant approval. Now, sometimes it would take a day to process. If it took a day to process, then we'd have to come back and get the machine. Mm -hmm. So, but, the, so as, as a potential vacuum buyer, what I should do is... Gave some, give some fake credit credentials so it'll bounce. <laughs> so I have a free day of like doing my entire apartment, and then you come pick it up, and I get. You know, that that is, I suppose, that is a possibility that you could do that. Okay, okay. Well, but that's, my uh, boss was usually, he could tell if somebody would get approved, if they were going to get approved or not. Though he wouldn't tell me until after the fact. He's like, "Well, this is the show model, so we'll bring you back the new one tomorrow after your credit's been approved." So I really didn't... I only had to go get, like, one or two vacuum cleaners in the whole time I was there. Hmm. Okay. So what happened after the you decided this is not the kind of career you want to have? Oh, I, I worked in restaurants. I built houses. I um, hung drywall, worked in warehousing. So... Which one was the worst? The worst? Hmm... Depends on your definition of worst. Do elaborate. Um, Monotonous-wise, working in a warehouse. For me, it was very easy. I could build a skid quite quick. I could build a, a pallet, a stack product quite quickly as I'm going down the aisle and, and drop it off. But it didn't take a lot of brain work, so I was just kind of like... Hmm. Um, dealing with... Uh, 
sometimes not so friendly customers working in restaurants as a manager, as a server. Okay, so that was all in Pennsylvania, right? Um, yeah. Well, I, I worked. I built houses in Minis in Wisconsin and Minnesota. I hung drywall in Pennsylvania. That was before I joined the Navy when I built houses. So, how did you get from Pennsylvania, Wisconsin to Bangkok, where you're now today? Oh, I, I met uh, my wife Tracy on a discussion forum for who was one of our favorite authors at the time, Terry Goodkind. Okay, so how do you like? How do you get personal on talking about books? You flirt. You're like, oh, I really like. Well, you don't talk. You you, you talk in, in instant messenger, not instant messenger. Sorry, you talk in like private messages. And you kind of talk and get to know each other, and you find out about them and, and stuff like that. And they find out, they ask you questions. Oh, wait, wait, let's, let's rewind a second here. Sure. How do you even know Tracy uh, was a woman? Like, I mean, you know, it's the internet. And, you I know, didn't. You didn't. No. So you just started flirting. No, 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 no. It wasn't, like, it, let's, actually, let's, it wasn't let's, even let's, like let's, that. Let's it, go ahead with this. And okay, it wasn't even like that. It was, okay, I, my persona on this particular website is a, was a timber wolf. I was a wolf. Uh, and there were I had my own little area on this website with, and this discussion forum which was called The Woods um, and there were different little areas like there was Tenshi which is like heaven there was the underworld which was like hell um, there was a few other places um, the Forsaken Empire and you know and everybody kind of interacts with each other and you talk and you flirt with each other and, and stuff like that and you, you, some people you get to some of those people I'm still friends with today I mean we still talk on like Facebook and stuff but flirting as Timberwolf let's yes <laughs> in private messages I don't you, in private messages I talk as myself on the, the open public forum in some areas I talk as myself in the role play areas what we called it in the role play areas I, I talked as a, a wolf Basically, uh, I talked as I. I described myself as a wolf that could talk. Okay. Is there like, how would you describe yourself? Like, give us give us a sample. Uh, how do I describe myself? I would say, let's see, um, right. prowl, prowls from uh, stalks out of his cave, coming through the woods, uh, climbing up onto the edge of the cliff and at that point Tracy's like that's hot <laughs> no it wasn't actually like that I mean we talked a little bit you know off and on in different areas and then uh, then we started messaging each other uh, what actually happened is a friend of her a mutual friend of ours decided she was upset with me for some reason or another I can't remember the exact details but Tracy's character gave this girl's character a knife to cut my tail off and then she had to give my tail back to Tracy's character. So that That's how I met Tracy and started talking to Tracy. I mean I'd seen she had, she had her tail she had your tail cut off. She had my tail cut off. Well usually it happens after you fly to Bangkok, not Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you then, you know, separated from your tail, you uh, decided to meet Tracy in Bangkok. Um but well that that was like so we started we started talk once she had my tail cut off we actually started talking more on a regular basis in the discussion forums and then we started private messaging each other and then we started messaging each other in like Yahoo instant messenger and Skype and stuff like that um, 
And then we started calling each other on the telephone, and this went on for about two years. And then I decided it, I was coming to Thailand to wow. to not to only meet Tracy, but to, to be with her. I knew I wasn't I knew I wasn't going back right away. So you packed everything you had. I packed everything I could pack into three bags. Okay. And that's not everything that I had. So. Well, but, what happened to the rest? Um, I think my ex-wife threw some of most of it away. Some of it might still be there. I still talk to her. Were you already separated at that point, or uh, when we, when Tracy and I first started talking? No, um, and then we, I, Tracy and I were, were flirting and stuff, but she was also flirting with other people also with, that were on this website. Um, and then one of the guys ended up. We decided we were gonna. I can remember the day it happened. I came home from work. I was working overnight. She was getting ready to go to work. She was working in the morning. I came in the door, we switched car, or I gave her the car key, she was heading towards the door, she stopped, turned around and said, I want a divorce, turned around, walked out the door and went to work. Wow. Yeah. And we continued, yeah, we continued to live together until the day I came to Thailand. So. Wow. But so we stayed in separate bedrooms. Okay. Once you came to Thailand, what um, fills your days here, like you still pursue your passion for fights uh, I don't I haven't really outside of like controlled fighting um, like uh, sparring and stuff like that uh, I, I study right now I currently study karate uh, Shotokan karate I studied mixed martial arts I studied Muay Thai I studied uh, Tai Chi I studied yoga uh, I did teach for a while um, what else? I, I, I podcast. I write. I'm trying to learn how to play guitar. Oh. What are you going to do with a guitar? I, I'd like to eventually write my own music. About Timberwolves? <laughs> That could be one of the topics. One of many topics. You're going to have... You're going to make... Well, it's not fan fiction. It's fan music? Fan... Fan, fan music sounds fan good. Music. Yeah. Does that so. exist? I have no idea. Well, fantasy music. If you look at some of the genre, not genres. If you look at some of the music from the '80s and from like the death core and metal core and Viking core and stuff like that, some of their music is quite fantastical in its lyrics. I oh. guess you could say. So you aspire for that? To that? And no, I aspire to just creating something outside of. Uh, Creating music for my poetry. Wow. Do we get to hear that in one of your future podcasts? Uh, yeah, I've, I've recited a f uh, one of my poems on that podcast uh, when I talked about role-playing. Oh, wow, okay. The, so which, which episode is that? Uh, role-playing, that would be at domdumas.com forward slash... I'm going to look now because I can't remember for the life of me. I'm sorry. So give me a second here. Uh, dumas.com forward slash it's not right at my fingertips I am so sorry caught me off guard on this one it's okay we can cut it nah I'm not worried about it there we go uh, domdumas.com forward slash seven where I talk about role playing games I, I wrote a when one of the early creators of role-playing games the originator of Dungeons and Dragons Gary Gygax when he passed away I wrote a poem about him wow hmm. 
And I, I recited it on that episode. DomDumas.com forward slash seven. As Dom or as, as Dom? Okay. As Dom. Okay, so that would have been interesting the other version <laughs> as well. Okay, well, thank you very much, Dom. Well, thank uh, you. That was an insight into a very interesting and diverse life. Uh, I, I'm an interesting and diverse person, ah, to say the least. I, I take pride in being different. Do you describe yourself as a humble wolf? I describe myself as a different type of wolf. Thank you very much. Thank, oh, wait, wait. I have something for you. Yes. Uh, at, when I end all my podcasts, I have a thing that I do called Always Remember. And as a guest, I would like you to do the Always Remember today. Sure. Always Remember. What I tell everybody when they come to Thailand, you know, especially if you want to avoid having your tail cut off, <laughs> is that it's a good idea to assume positive intent. There's a lot of friction in a lot of interactions with people due to a language barrier, due to a culture barrier, or just different expectations. And I found that the best way to deal with them is to generally assume that people have positive intent when they deal with you, that people are out to get you, that if something goes wrong, it's much more likely to be an accident or intentional rather than someone being out to hurt you or to damage you on purpose. That'll may improve the interactions you have with the people here a lot and um, it'll also make your life a lot smoother okay well I think that's more than just Thailand I think that's just life in general but all right thanks a lot Karsten <laughs>